You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I was sitting around the other day looking at some of the holiday decorations, and I realized that I have way too many White Sox holiday decorations. And I would imagine most White Sox fans do. I have a bunch. Yeah, I, I, I have I have White Sox ornaments. I've got a White Sox Christmas hat, you know, Santa hat. Um, yeah, there's just... I, and I feel like it's stuff that people give me because I know I'm a White Sox fan, and it's like, well... I'm just going to throw this in with it, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> well, right? I, mean, I do have a tradition in my house that when we put up the ornaments on the tree, the first ornament on the tree must be my commemorative 2005 World Series White Sox ornament. Like, that goes dead center right there in the tree at eye level. Okay. Like, every year, it's always there. And then... The second one that goes on the tree is the other World Series ornament that I have that's like a player ornament. It has 2005 World Series on it with the official patch that they wore on their sleeve during it. And then on the back of it, it says Pierzynski 12 because it's got it's they must have like done a series with all the different players on the team or a group of guys from the team that goes on there as well. So once AJ and his World Series uniform ornament and the actual World Series commemorative championship ornament are up, then the rest of the tree can be decorated. But right after the lights, those are the first two things that go up there. And then, of course, I've got, like, I got some, I don't know, i got a gnome that's dressed in a White Sox uniform. I've got I've got an elf on the shelf in a White Sox hat. Well, I, I've got you beat there. That ornament that sits on the tree. What, what do you got? My elf on the shelf is actually Neil Cox. <laughs> you win. You win. This episode of Socks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. Is Neil, is that what Neil's up to these days? <laughs> I guess, I yeah. I can't do the read. It's so stupid. I just keep imagining Neil Cotts just sitting on a shelf in your house. And then like the next morning, he's sitting on the kitchen table. Oh, and the great thing is I don't have to do anything with him. He just does it himself. Hey, Neil, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Just make sure my kids don't do anything bad so they get, they stay on the nice list. I mean, think about Neil Cotts. Neil Cotts like, okay, we're going to get into Neil in a second. I want to talk about Neil. <laughs> now this is going to be in my head the whole show. Let's, okay, so Cork and Carey at the park, 33rd in Princeton. Uh, Shadow of the Ballpark, really, really great food there. The two-for-one on Tuesdays with the, the burgers are award-winning. Go see Gino over there at the bar. Uh, you get over to the, the original location or that location at 33rd and Princeton, done up in all the holiday lights. A great place to hang out, meet up friends for the holiday season. And, and during the season, that's your home base uh, for White Sox pregame, postgame, in-game. And, and, and also the, the craft beer selection and the, the, the selection of spirits and the wines and everything that they do over there. What you're looking for, I guarantee you, is at Cork and Carry and Cork and Carry at the park. See more at CorkandCarry.com. After Neil Cotts, then, this is what you're telling me. After Neil Cotts, as a rookie, right? He was a rookie in 05, wasn't he? No, no, he no, he was he had been around. He was he was he was a starter in 04. I think yeah. he was actually on yeah, the you're Cubs. Right. You're prior right to now. That. I remember as a failed starter that went into the bullpen. I remember that. Yes, and and I think he was later on. Was he the guy that was bumped? So that Jose Paniagua could get a start? Yeah, I think so. He was mistreated 
And then he became a bullpen arm that had a great season. And then he went off and kind of flittered around baseball for a little bit, right? And now you're saying that when his career was over, elf on the shelf. That's what he became. I Yeah, I, that, that's, I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to have a post-playing career somehow, I guess. I guess so. I mean, we could all aspire to be something. Maybe that's what I'll be someday. Right. An elf on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? I mean, like I, I'm, I'm going through the divorce, right? Like I, I'm, the kids are eventually going to all going to leave. Like one's on their way to college in the fall. Well, actually you could, you could do a non Christmas homewrecker thing and just be Chris on your miss. So, uh, the other thing that I saw this week, which I find very funny is, uh, and I've seen it already posted on Twitter that supposedly, I, I don't know this cause we're not season ticket holders anymore. Like we, we told them, no, we laugh. Right. And right. then they try to do the voucher thing. Like, Oh, buy some vouchers. And we're like, no. Nah. And it was funny thing about the voucher program too. We were in the 300 level, but when we went on to go get the vouchers, we couldn't get the vouchers for the 300 level. That's the way my dad explained it to me because he talked to the ticket agent. So were the vouchers were only good for like the upper half of the 500? Yeah, probably that's what they were. But it, he told me, he's like, I'm not even going to be able to sit in the same area where I want to be. So why am I going to get these things? So he was like, I'm, I already said I was done. Now I'm double done. So, I mean, like, look, they're not making any friends. I feel bad for the ticket agents. They are the biggest department in the entire building, right? Like the ticket agents are a bigger department than like the scouting department. They have so many people trying to convince you to come back. They could probably get away with flipping that around right now. Wouldn't that be a good idea? I I think the analytics department, maybe more analytics guys, less like, you know, young people trying to make their way in the in the baseball business. Right. I mean, like trying to sell tickets. I I think I would go with more people in that. Maybe teach some of those people to go on baseball reference and just learn some basic terms. You know, just start converting a scout. Right. Something like that. Teach them how to how to how to, you know. Go look at guys playing college ball and figure out if they, they yeah. suck or not. Yeah, that, that's all you have to do. It seems really simple. Instead to of me. trying to convince you and your dad that, you know, one extra game on them in a suite with the cheapest level of beer and some tacos <laughs> is going to, you know. Well, the new incentive now is that there's a season ticket holder party supposedly here at the end of January. Oh, so not Sox Fest, but the season ticket party, yes. party holder. Okay. Now what you're going to get is, again, the line of, we talked to lots of White Sox fans, and they love what we're doing. Well, if you're at the season ticket holder party in January, or any season t- ticket holder, and they've had them before. I actually went and looked it up after I saw that. Like, they, they've they had them in January. They have them sometimes in the spring. They have, they, they have different season ticket holder parties at different times over the last 10 years. They've had them before, right? It is just it's just weird with the timing and where they're actually going to put it as they act like Soxfest never existed. Like there hasn't even been like an announcement that it's canceled this year. They're just like you peons, we're not even talking about that anymore. It we never, never happened and Sox never Fest. will happen again. Right. Like I don't know what you're talking about with that. When the team was founded in 1980 by Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> but but the thing is, they're having the season ticket holder thing, and all that's left, I would think, season ticket holders, is that you I don't know. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be smirch season ticket holders. I know there are several of them that think that this team sucks and are mad at the front office and think Jerry Ryan is cheap. I just want to say that if you're going to pick a pool of people in which you are more likely to find people so loyal to the team that they put on blinders, it would have to be this batch of season ticket holders. Like you would think proportionally, this is your best chance when you if you got them all into a room of having a majority of people happy with you. Because the majority of people that are mad at you aren't spending money. Like, there are some people that will always spend it. There are some people who just love the experience of the team and are very realistic about who the White Sox are, who Jerry Reinsdorf is, and, and what the problems are with the organization and how bad it's been for the last four decades or so. And they may still buy tickets, but you're going to get the biggest concentration 
of of happy White Sox fans at that party that you're going to possibly get. And then they're going to be like, well, we talk to fans all the time and they love what we're doing. I hate that. But you know you're going to hear it. Well, yeah, of course you are. And, and you're right, because there's two reasons when a team is going bad and, and when you're disillusioned with the ownership and all that stuff. There's there's only a couple of reasons really to maintain your season tickets. And, and one is some sort of tradition, right? You know, we've had White Sox season tickets going back to 1919. We can trace it to you know, to our, our forefathers, you know, it's something like that where, where it's just, it's a thing. Okay. With your family, or you are somebody who is just that damn loyal to the laundry and you don't care who's, who's on the field. You just, it's white Sox, white Sox. You're just that guy, right? You're, you're that family you're that person, or you are somebody who is just so in love with baseball that, you're going to go to games because you don't really you don't really care it's the white Sox. you just maybe like you know the south side better than the north side in terms of the parks in terms of the ambiance in terms of the cost whatever it is but you're really just a fan of baseball and you're, and you're just going there and if you're one of those you're probably not showing up to a season ticket holder party right if you're one of the ones that are like the you know this is tradition and we hate the team but we're still going to go because we've always done it and it just feels like something we have to do like you know keeping the last name in the family yeah you're probably going to go and and you might say some things you might be critical but the the diehards that are going to go and that are just there because they just love the team and they love the White Sox and they always have and they always will and they will absolutely defend the team to their dying breath they're not going to go and say anything bad because they're all secretly hoping that if they say something really, really nice, that they're going to be invited to, you know, pitch game four of the opening series. You know, they're going to be, they're going to replace Jason Benetti. They're going to be Jerry Reinsdorf's assistant. You know, they're going to be ingratiated and welcomed into the White Sox. They're the dreamers. They're the ones that are like, you know, yeah. if I love them, they'll love me back. And what they don't understand is that they don't love you back. I mean, let's be honest. When, When you, when you blame the pandemic in 21 uh, uh, on the fact you're not having Sox Fest. Okay, fine. I remember even in 21 that there were a couple of festivals that were going on. Sure, you had to wear a mask and there was probably like less attendance and stuff like that. There were people that wanted to have it. They just didn't want to have it. Okay, fine. I can accept that. When they blamed COVID in 22, though, COVID was on the downslide. The vaccines were out and everybody else was People having, were gathering. The, everybody this, was having was gatherings. Everybody was doing stuff at that point. Last year was like something like we just did, there were a myriad of reasons. Wasn't that it yeah, last year? They, they, right. So it went so from, twenty. So it went from COVID to a BS COVID one that didn't make any sense at all based upon what was actually going on and the fact that other people were having them to for a variety of reasons, which we can't specify because the only real reason is we're afraid of our fan base to now acting to now acting like it doesn't exist because we're not even going to mention it. I mean, it's seriously, if you've ever been broken up with by somebody on a slow basis, and I'm not talking about like, you know, like what you're going through, Chris, I'm talking about like all of a sudden one day you just wake up and you're like, I thought I had a girlfriend, but I don't because <laughs> she she's left. not talking to me. And then she's right. like, I'm blocked. The number's blocked. Like I have no, like somehow I have no pictures of her and everything is just, everything is suddenly gone. And you're like, what the hell happened? Like it was a I slow swear to God. It was quiet it was, quitting. That's what it was. That's, yeah, that's what the White Sox did. They're, yeah. they're quiet quitting you on Sox Fest <laughs> because they went from, oh, we've got a reason why we can't do this to what? Who? I don't know you. Who are you guys? Fans? What are fans? I I thought those were the things on the ceiling that made the air cold. It's 
Saxon Basement listeners for exterior windows, doors, patio doors, storm doors. Uh, go to Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. They've been around for 40 years, okay? They, they've been in Oak Forest since 1985. Uh, there's an owner sitting in the showroom. You go see them. There's a reason for that. You get your questions answered. It's not some salesman who's who's making a commission. You're, you're actually talking to the people who own the place. You get to see everything full-sized on display. All the etchings, all the doorknobs, all the, all the little latches, everything. You're not seeing some dingy little example. You're seeing everything right there, no pictures in a book. There's an owner on, on site as well. Uh, Window and Door Superstore uses their own installers. They don't farm out the work. And... All major brands are custom made, no stock items, that way you get a perfect fit. They are one half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. Uh, you've seen those commercials where the guy puts the big bow on the Lexus. Let's get some bows on some windows and doors. See more at windowdooroakforest.com. Uh, what is your take on the loss of Soxfest, though? I mean, let's let's actually talk about this for just a few minutes. I don't want to waste the whole show on it. But I mean, like, I don't necessarily miss it a ton, right? Like, like, like I didn't need to be there every year. I went, I enjoyed it. I, I still think that one of the greatest stories of this podcast in the five plus years that we've been doing it is the, the last Sox Fest that was at, uh, what was it? The big hotel that they had it at where, 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 where do they used to do it at? Uh, they never had it at a hotel. Yeah, they there did. were no hotels. <laughs> there was never a Sox Fest. What are you talking about, Chris? <laughs> It was a it was the first Saxfest that we were at, right? You weren't even on the show. No, I, this, this predates me. Right. I made I made five hundred socks in the basement trucker hats, and I had them all in my hotel room, and I wanted to hand them out. And what I was going to do the first day, because we just we'd only been doing the show for less than a year, I just went to the bar, Kitty O'Shea's, went into the bar, right? And the bar, like, it's not really even the hotel bar. They're like they're leasing space in the hotel, but it's not really even like owned by the hotel from what I could tell. Okay. And I'm sitting there, I've got a hat on my head and I've got a couple of hats sitting on the bar and I'm drinking a beer and I'm just kind of hanging out and people are stopping by and saying hi. And I'm meeting people that I had, had talked to on social media or even interviewed like for the first time I'm meeting them. Lucas Giolito walks in with Tim Anderson. They have a meal. I had a conversation with them. Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson come by. They wear the hat and take a picture with me. I'm having a blast. And then all of a sudden, this uh, this nice lady who's at the bar comes over and she says she's the manager. And she goes, they always have a podcast that does something here. You seem to have a lot of people walking up and talking to you. Would you mind doing a podcast? And I had uh, one of the guys from Future Sox. It wasn't James Fox. Clinton Cole, I think, was writing for them at the time. And he's sitting next to me having a beer. And he goes, and James might have been there, too, because I'm just meeting all these guys for the first time. And he goes, I can get all the prospects. Because they know all these guys, right? Right. They're like right. they're all in the hotel and nobody wants to talk to them. We can get them over here. Can we be involved in them? I'm like, yeah, it's a great idea. And I asked, and I've got the manager of the bar telling me, like, we we should do this. We should have you, we should have you here. So I get on the phone, I call my wife, and I'm like, hey, this is back when we were talking to each other, not now. And I go, I go, uh, can you bring me all my studio equipment down here? Because I think I'm doing a podcast at Saxfest. Like, I'm pumped about it. Like and I'm like, and I'm not on the Saxfest grounds. I'm in the bar. The bar manager shirts, yeah. has asked me to do this. This is going to be great. So she brings out all the stuff. I've got it in my hotel room. I'm setting it all up. I'm like, this is going to be great. We'll promote it for tomorrow because it's the beginning of the weekend. And I get an angry call from the White Sox. And the rep that I had been talking to over there who knew I had a podcast called up and they were so 
angry at me because I wasn't an affiliated podcast. And I remember I reminded the guy, I was like, you told me that any interview I could get or anything that I could do out here was totally okay. And he's like, but we didn't think you'd have a podcast at the bar. And I said, well, I didn't come up with it. They asked me. And that was really the beginning of the end of our relationship because I, right. I had literally done nothing wrong and they were angry with me because I'm sure Chuck or somebody else over it was angry that somebody else was going to be doing something on their turf, even though I wasn't within the ticketed area. I wasn't there. I was on the outside of it on the bar that's attached to the building that had nothing to do with Saxfest. So I was like, fine, whatever. They canceled it. They called the bar and told them, don't let those guys do it. Actually, they called the hotel. They threatened the hotel. We're never bringing Saxfest back here. That's the story I got from the bar manager. They threatened the hotel that they're never bringing Saxfest back here. This is all hearsay, of course, because I got it through third party. But they, they said, we're never bringing Saxfest back if you guys uh, let them have this podcast. And then the hotel called the bar and said, they're never bringing Saxfest back. So get rid of that stupid podcast. And then in the end, they never brought Saxfest back anyway. Typical White Sox move. <laughs> like, well, yeah, there, there you go. So, <laughs> so what you're saying, what you're saying is, in a way... You're almost doing a podcast from a bar sort of affiliated with the hotel <laughs> that Soxfest was at. Right. Caused the end of Soxfest as we knew it. Right. Maybe it, it was the beginning of the end of Soxfest. Started with Sox in the basement in this, obviously. That's, that's how this all goes down. So really, the moral of the story is, uh, <laughs> if not for Chris, because I wasn't around for this one. If not for Chris, you would still be buying your tickets to Soxfest no, right no, now? No, 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 no. They had it at the convention center after that. They, where do they go next? Did they go to McCormick Place next? Wherever they went. Right. Right. They had right. another they had another one after that. OK. But I mean, like at this one, like they, that was the whole thing. They were like, they were the, I, and again, I'm getting it from the person who's canceling with me from the bar, telling me why they have to cancel, apologizing that they strung me along for a whole day. And I'm telling them it's not your fault. I know it wasn't you. All right. It's just some irrational behavior that I've never understood. Even to this day, I've never understood it. I've reached out and tried to been like, why is there bad blood? It's all about that thing. It's really strange. Then I react as a child would because I'm mad. So the next morning I get up and I have a big giant bag of 500 socks in the basement trucker hats. And I stand right. around the corner while people are lining up in the morning where the socks can't see me. And I hand out to the first 500 people socks in the basement trucker hats. So they're, as, as they're walking through, you can see the line that's like waiting to get into the center in the hotel. And you can see in the middle, this big clump of 500 people all wearing the same hat. It's, it's incredible. Okay. So now the day begins and there's all these people wearing the hats. And I'm like, well, at least I got, at least I got all the hats. Out. I handed out 500 hats for free. I was like, you know what? They don't want to, they don't want to see me here. I'm going to have people wearing me, wearing this podcast on their head. Daniel Polka gets his hands on a hat. This is my favorite part. And then goes on television, supposedly with the hat. Now I didn't see it. But the 108 like reached out to me that day and was like, dude, your hat was just in an interview. <laughs> so I was causing all kinds of trouble that day. And again, this is the joy of Saxfest, right? Think of this. This is a grassroots podcast that's completely independent. The man is keeping it down and the fans rise up, right? With this incredible moment on that Saturday where everybody's walking around with the hats and stuff like that. Now, maybe that's the reason why they don't want to have this event anymore because they can't control it. And they're the kind of team that's very controlling. But I always go back to like, that's, that's what, I, that's the only thing I really miss about Soxfest. Those three days were just fun for me. I had a blast with the, with all the drama, the ups and downs and everything else like that. I had a blast. I don't know how many times I can listen to somebody talk about 2005 before I've heard all the stories though. I don't know if I really enjoy standing in line for an autograph 
and and showing up and not getting what I really wanted because people camped out all night long. So there are always flaws with it. So I don't know if I miss it that much. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the thing with these things is, is that it's it's fun, but then you know it, it's not always what you kind of want it to be. And you know, and and, and for for all of the we get a chance to talk to Rick and Kenny. You get a chance to 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 hear from these players or interact or get autographs and things like that. Sometimes it becomes sort of repetitive year in and year out, and and you you end up seeing sort of the same group of of former players, right? Retired players. You get a chance to sort of cheer on stage for for some of the main White Sox players, the guys who are going to be you know the 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 big names on the roster for that year, whatever it is. And yeah, there's some Q and A and stuff like that, but we already know how the Q and A is going to go. They're not going to, you're not going to, as a fan, you're not going to drag out of somebody from the front office some earth-shattering answer, right? And and I don't know that Chris Getz would be a lot different than what Rick Hahn would have been or Kenny Williams would have been, other than the fact that Chris Getz seems like a kind of guy that's not going to turn around and and chew you out uh, the way that you know Rick and Kenny would have. But it's it's not something where I think that it's a big loss. I think the the thing that makes it hurt is just that there continues to be, it's just endemic. It's another symptom of what feels like a team that just doesn't know how to show its fans love and, and doesn't know how to show the fans appreciation. Cause that's what the, the idea behind this, the idea behind any team holding a festival, holding something open to the public, holding something where, you know, you have a chance to interact, albeit on a on a limited basis, whatever it is. The whole thing is just saying, "Welcome to being a White Sox fan." Okay, we 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 really appreciate you guys. We really love you guys. And what the Sox franchise does is, if you're paying us enough money, we'll be that for you. If you're a casual fan, if you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, or somebody that. Uh, maybe has some criticisms of the team because you have a brain. That's the key right there. If you don't like what we're doing, if you don't like what we're doing and you're not willing to, we you're don't not willing you. to pay us. No, they don't okay. love you. If you want to show some love to your, uh, your employees, let's say that you're a small business and uh, you want to give them better health insurance or get them health insurance set up. Like a lot of small businesses uh, don't have that set up, but you, you can do it. It's not a hard thing to do. Butch Zemar over at elite benefits of America is the guy you want to call. I've already talked to uh, several people who have listened to me talk about him on the show, who have reached out to him and they're they're getting things set up. If you're somebody who does your own insurance set up, right? Like you're online, you're shopping for it. You can give Butch a call. You know, if you're the person that owns the company or if you're one of the decision makers, if you're the CEO or CFO, yeah, anybody who's interested in this, if you're going through renewals right now, it's frustrating. Save a little bit of money, you know, do better for the employees, do better for yourself Reach out to Butch Zemar at Elite Benefits of America. Give him a call. Have a conversation. It costs you nothing. He's got a whole playbook. He's going to analyze your company, analyze your personal situation, and come up with a solution that's going to be better. I I really believe it. Better than what you've seen so far. 708-535-3006 or visit EliteBenefits.net. You know, one of the other theories that I have is that they always wanted to get rid of it. You know, kind of like how Major League Baseball wanted to get rid of cash. And when the pandemic came along, they were able to do it. Like, is anybody really afraid that the dollar bill is going to give you a disease that kills you anymore? No. No. Right? But that was what it was used for. And they went cashless. And it, it, it really caused problems for the people that were reliant on those cash tips. 
and it really changed the way that things are vended in the ballpark and it really changed like how long it takes for you to get food and it really has made it more of a frustrating fan experience but it's something that Major League Baseball did across the board and they used the pandemic to push it across. I, you know, I always laugh at the idea that at the last Sox Fest, not the one I was talking about earlier, but at the last one, it was kind of being conveyed to several of the independent podcasters that we're going to have a Sox Fest. And the next one we have, we're going to have a podcast row. Now, do you really believe that they were going to let us all sit in Sox Fest? And, oh, yeah, and yes, actually, you no, do? no, 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 I do. You do, because then, I think they were saying it because they knew they oh, were never no, bringing no, no. Sox Fest back. Like, they knew they weren't bringing it back, so they were no. telling us they were going to have podcast row, and it was never going to happen, Ed. Think about that, Eric, because you're talking about the last Sox Fest. You're talking about the one going into the 2020 season before the pandemic really hit, right? So what was that Sox Fest? That was the... That was the big celebration of this is the end of the rebuild. That was when we're introducing Dallas Keuchel, who's going to win a Cy Young Award again. We've got Yasmani Grandal. We've got all, you know, Giolito's is, is emerging as this ace. We've got, here comes Luis Robert Jr. We've got, this team is going to be amazing, right? This is a coming out party for the White Sox. This is where our decade of dominance starts. So, hell yeah, they were going to have one in 2021 for you guys and for us as podcasters for for fans for everybody to sit there and just bask in the glow of the awesomeness that was Rick Hahn's creation of the White Sox and then when you kind of saw them eh, it didn't really go so well in the 2020 season I mean it went great but you know they they didn't get anywhere in the playoffs and there was some blowback because Rick Hahn didn't seem to be building on anything. And we're sitting there going, wait, really? Like your answer to your question is Andrew Vaughn is going to come up and he's going to be our savior? Like, what what are we doing? Like, Moncada didn't look great. Are we, are we sure? You know, and we're starting to ask questions. And the whole Tony LaRusa thing comes up. Yeah, then it's starting to get to where they're not going to want a podcast role because we are asking questions. We are kind of being critical. And so, no, at that point, it was never going to happen. But walking into that 2020 season, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were totally planning on having a whole bunch of us out there with our microphones telling everybody just how great Sox Fest is, how great the White Sox are, how amazing this team is, how Rick Hahn should be in the Hall of Fame already, how Kenny Williams is a handsome, handsome man who always gets everything right. No, they were cocky, and it didn't it didn't oh, work out. they bro. were cocky. Speaking of cocky, don't be cocky about the White Sox in 2024, according to uh, one of the more recent Central Division lines that have been put out there in the odds. I, I think Bet Online uh, has uh, put these out. Uh, for the 2024 AL Central champion. I know we're supposed to be competing, folks, but I don't think anybody believes it. The the betters definitely don't. The casino doesn't believe it, right? The Twins are 10 to 13 odds, negative 130. Okay. The Guardians are 3 to 1 odds to win the Central, plus 300. The Detroit Tigers are 15 to 4 odds, plus 375. So those are all, you know... Teams that they believe could do it, right? Now, this right. this was put out on the 18th of December, so just, just in the last couple of days. So even after what the Royals have done, still 12 to 1 odds plus 1,200. And the White Sox bringing up the rear, 20 to 1 odds plus 2,000 in the weakest division in Major League Baseball. Well, that, I think, tracks. <laughs> I mean, I, as we're sitting here right now, I mean, come on, really, honestly, as we're sitting here right now, you have an incomplete starting rotation. Uh, you had one of the worst records in baseball last year. You've still got a lot of positions that are up in the air and unsettled. You don't really know what's going on. You've 
you know, some of the players that I think betters would have liked to have counted on, like Tim Anderson, have been let go. So, I at this point, sitting here in December, yeah, I would 100% agree with those odds. I don't, the White know, Sox. If I don't know if they're a last place team. But I don't think they're a last place team. I actually like that bet better than I like it for the Royals. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't think that the White Sox are a last place team. I could be wrong. But I, I just think that, like, there is some talent on the team. There are some capable players. I think when you play defense, if they really are going to go defense first. That keeps you in a lot of games. Yeah, I, I think it's very hard to put that team in last place. I don't think that team win loses 100 games. I know that that's like, you know, I, I think a lot of people will sit there and say, well, you know, if I go, you know, sabermetrically and I'm just looking at OPS and I'm looking at runs created and all this stuff like this, like then you can make an argument like, oh, they're the worst team. But baseball is still a game that's played between the lines and that you still have to be able to to field and throw and, and pitch. And, and, and they, there might be, they may put something together that's competitive, but I don't think it's a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't think that you're a couple of moves away from being a playoff team, which is why you're really building for 2025. There is still lots to do, though. You know, I mean, I, again, go back and fall back on just looking at recent moves. Yeah, every once in a while you see the big giant signing, the Shohei Otani move, right? But a lot of teams are signing a lot of veterans to one-year deals or they're overpaying or giving too many years to guys that they want right now because of the marketplace. And I, I think right now teams are just trying to shore up all the periphery things in their roster because they're so uncertain as to whether or not they're going to be able to get the guy they really want. That's in free agency. I think there's still an awful lot of talent out in free agency that is still testing the market. And so this White Sox team could look very different. And, it, you know, it should look different. He should still be going out and signing another pitcher. He still should be going out and doing something in right field. There has to be a trade to be made here somewhere as well. There has to be some kind of movement of some of the talent that he has. I really do think Dylan Cease is going to get dealt at some point. It's just not the best deal on the table yet, and he's being patient. I still think Jimenez isn't on the team. I still think that they're going to move him at some point. But it has to kind of come into focus. All the chips have to fall, and we're still waiting for them to fall because we haven't even made it to Christmas Day yet. But I think we're going to see a lot more movement mid-January through February here. I think you're going to see a flurry of movement, and I think the White Sox will make moves, and that that number could change. Oh, absolutely. So it might be it might be worth getting in on now because the other side of that too is I don't think the Guardians and the Twins are as good as that line would have you believe. I don't think they're either of them are dominant. I think it's just when you look at the grand total of things, you have a division that is the weakest in baseball, like you said, because you have flawed team after flawed team after flawed team. And the frustration, of course, for the White Sox is, well, as a team from Chicago, is the only large market team here, why aren't you guys just absolutely obliterating everybody? But, you know, without getting into opening up a Reinsdorf can here, there's a lot of reason to believe, though, that with the right couple of moves and with with Chris Getz being smart about how the money gets spent and what type of one-year deals he does to shore up the rotation or shore up the bullpen or what he does in right field. Towards the end of the market, and, and like you said, a flurry of activity that will probably happen after the holidays, there's every reason to believe that, you know what, in a flawed division, they could catch lightning in a bottle. Is the Jerry Reinsdorf can next to Neil Kotz on the shelf? I let Neil go where he wants to go. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. 
Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.